Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fire Five at Phoenix. So today's topic is talking about beliefs, our limiting beliefs, our liberating beliefs, and our self-limiting beliefs, which comes up a lot. So my guest today is M Shot. Em's going to introduce herself in just a moment. But for those of you who haven't seen or listened to this podcast before, it's a very simple concept. The guest comes along with five questions on the topic, and I haven't seen those questions. So all of the conversation that is being recorded live all of the conversation that happens in the next 45 minutes or so is all unplanned, all unprepared, <laughs> and hopefully something in the conversation that is of use to you or certainly of interest to you. So let me stop talking for a moment and let introduce themselves. So um, say hello, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, hi Adi. Thank you, Zoe, for having me. So my name's M Sharp, um, and my company is called Study Sharp, as in study books, study sharp. Um, and what we're about is simply offering a way for people to learn sign language and to learn about what it means to be deaf aware. So what we do is we teach individuals, we tutor learners that are learning sign language along their sign language journey. And we also go into docs, doctors, I was going to say doctors then, um, companies rather, businesses. I don't know where that came from. Um, and we teach um, sign language accredited courses. We teach bespoke courses. We teach deaf awareness strategies. And also we offer some consultancy. So we go in and talk to companies about how they can make their services and you know, what they offer, more accessible, more inclusive to, to deaf people out there that sign and deaf people generally. So that's colleagues, employees, potential employees, etc. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what we do. Um, so yeah, that's me. I love that. And such an important part of creating that environment that's inclusive, isn't it? Because we talk about sign language or we think, uh, certainly from my perspective, we think about sign language, we think about people who are completely deaf, but actually it's hard of hearing as well as that language, the language barrier as well, isn't it? I think it's, it's great to see that more companies, more people are learning. I learned the alphabet when I was in the brownies. <laughs> I learned, learned the alphabet. I had to say hello, say my name. But I remember when my son was young, you know, Mr. Tumble, on CBBS, and he would also sign. And I think just seeing more people sign as they're speaking just just helps reduce another barrier for people, doesn't it? It's fantastic. I love what you do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a great surge in it. Lots more people learning it, and the more people we can get learning it, the more people will be able to communicate with people that sign out there in the community and at work and wherever. Love that. So, yeah. <laughs> so you have five questions today on the topic of Two. I am ready yeah. when you are. Um... Are you? Right. Okay. So um, these are quite generic questions, which we were talking about before, but, you know, hopefully it will get people thinking between the lines and, and filling in the gaps. So as a businesswoman with my own business, I thought about the perspective of people starting up in business, so startups, people new to business, new to sole trading, new to being uh, self-employed and those small, medium enterprise people. So my first question to you is how do we develop and foster our own self-belief as newbies to 
the business world and having a business. Ooh. It's really interesting work with people or have conversations with people who are new to business, that confidence, that self-belief in taking that step, especially if they come from a background where they've been employed for a very long period of time. That self-belief to take that step into a new business is it's a pretty, pretty big, significant step, isn't it? And I think what came to my mind as you asked the question is we see what we look for. So we, our brains will look out for what we're telling it to look for, whether that's consciously or unconsciously. So if we want to see signs that we're doing well and we want to see signs that we're improving and that we're good at what we do, we'll see lots of signs of that. If we are lacking that self-belief and we don't believe that we're doing such a good job, then we will see signs of that as well. So I think one of the things certainly uh, whether it's confidence in business or confidence in any area is helping people to identify what they want to Like, How will you know when you're successful at this? What does good look like? What signs are you looking for to know that mm -hmm. this is improving and helping them to look for that? Because when you see that, then you start to increase that inner confidence uh, rather than coming across as confident you start to increase your inner confidence which then starts to change that narrative and increase that self-belief which is really important isn't it I'm like the the quote post that went out this morning was you know a thousand people can believe in what you do but until you believe in what you can do it makes no difference you know and I think it's great that external validation it's great to get that feedback and hear from other people what we do well and that can impact our self-belief but I think until we start to see what we're looking for and we start to validate what we believe to be true that self-belief doesn't change I think you I think that's yeah you've hit the nail on the head for me and, and you've said what I hoped you were going to say with that one because you know it, I think for example back in my career when I worked for somebody it was like a big security duvet, you know, you've got that, that employer behind you, you know, all the T and C, you've got all that backup when things go wrong or you've got, you know, you're not sure in your job, you've always got, you know, unless it's a very small company, you've got a line management sort of stratus, you know, uh, platform and, and line of management to go to for advice and to, to, to back you up and, um, you know, and you've got that sort of, you know, unity um, and, uh, you know, all togetherness. But then when you start out on your own, that whole security blanket just pulled away and suddenly you're on your own. And, you know, you don't always know, as I was talking to colleagues the other day about, know everything about being self-employed just because you become self-employed. You don't know all the answers. You don't know how to do everything. It's a learning curve and you get mm -hmm. advice and support from other people that have already been there. But it is about that. But it's also about, you know, like I say, you can be out there with a big front say, yeah, you know, I really believe I'm doing and this is what I'm doing well. And but unless you inside think actually I'm doing okay. It, yeah. it tends to kind of really hold that much metal, does it really? So, yeah. yeah. And it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, I think even, even within that, there's an element of 
you know, we, we want to see what we want to look for. We want that validation from other people because that's really important, but we also need to validate it ourselves. And what success looks like for us might not be what successful looks like to somebody else, even in the same industry. So I think you do need to be really clear what success looks like for you. What does good look like? What what? How will you know you're starting to take steps on, on that journey? And how do you then validate that rather than waiting for other people to validate it? It's difficult, isn't it? Because in like you have a manager, you have people around you, you have some level of measurement, you've got other people to around with and then you get to self-employment it's me myself and I here and see what works and what isn't working things much harder to bounce things around I think yeah absolutely okay shall we go on to number two yeah <laughs> okay so where can this journey of our own self-belief break down and why Zoe Ooh, how does it break down? Oh, there's, there's so much that knocks that as well, isn't there, of, of that challenge. And I guess it's how you overcome the challenge as well, isn't it? When you get that knock, what what do you do with that with that knock? And I guess that's resilience a little bit of using that when that challenge comes in or when that knock comes in, how do you use that? What do you do with that? And And I think... Sometimes it's healthy. I think sometimes it's healthy to have a little dose of challenge or a little dose of questioning. You know, I think it can be really easy to be almost overconfident that you then start to miss things. Or you know, I think it's good to have a healthy measure of your own challenge. But I think if you don't challenge yourself, that's when a ch an external challenge becomes more of an issue I think I think if you're used to challenging yourself and checking and testing and being your own critical thinker about what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you show up and all of those mm. things are important in in life as much as they are in business if you're mm. used to being your own critical thinker then somebody else's opinion or thoughts or feedback that process rather than being the only thing that you are hearing so I think it does depend on what the knock is but also then what you do with that knock because it's also the intention behind the knock as well I think sometimes what the knock is when when you explore what's happened you say for example it's negative feedback or you know quite often to that person who's given the feedback they're not giving negative feedback they're not trying to knock your confidence or anything like that they're trying to help you to see things differently so if we use you know um certainly your world in terms of being more inclusive you know most people like to think whether that's the reality or not most people like to think that they're aware and how to do the best for the people who work for them or their customers, their clients. And if they get feedback that suggests otherwise, that can feel very negative and it can feel like a criticism. But quite often the person who's giving that feedback just wants them to be better and do better. So it's not saying that all of the things that they're doing already don't count. It just means we just want one more thing that would then unlock for other people. It. So it's, 
being able to take that step back. It feels like a knock, but what is it? Like, what is the challenge? How can I learn from it? How do I tap into that? Like to be able to make this a positive and use this as a way to take another step forward on that journey, if you like. I think it's the ability to reflect, isn't it? And and sometimes we're very much everybody. We're very much, you know, like you say, you get constructive criticism. That's fine. It's 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 doubt in the with the best intentions to help us kind of grow. And and it's often from people that are more experienced, more more experienced uh, business owners or or people that have been through it and know and have been out the other side. But it's often very challenging for people let alone business uh, people to sit back and reflect on what's been given to them what what opportunity is in a way that constructive criticism what that is 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 an is an opportunity to grow and and to sit back and and cut it for what it is and not be reactive and not be Mm. sensitive oversensitive to that and be you know really reactionary to that in a kind of immediate way rather sit back and and like i say just look at it for what it is and 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 take it apart but with a with a positive sort of outcome hopefully with doing that and going through that process of doing it and that's often the hardest thing because you know what we believe in and what often people are trying to help and you know help us to grow and support us with might be our baby might be our thing that we are passionate about you know, and it comes from a, a really inside place, doesn't it? And no matter what the intentions are, we, we can often just react in that whole kind of hearted way of, oh gosh, you know, but it's my baby. And, you know, I thought I was doing really well, you know. Um, so it's, I think that's a big challenge, um, no matter who or what you do, to sit back and, and to do that in a very calm, collected um, way. Yeah, one of the questions that I quite often ask people is to, on that reflection, to separate the fact from the feeling. So what's the factual feedback that's coming through here? What do you feel about it? And can you separate the two? Because it's okay to have an emotional response to something. That's very, very normal. But what you don't want to do is to influence how you respond to that feedback and you want to be able to separate how you feel about it to take the learning from what somebody is ultimately taking the time to share with you and I if you know you would like to think that for most people it's it's from a place of good intention it's not often that the intended consequence is to upset you quite often it's more well you should know this or we want you to know this or we want you to do something about this um, but yeah, it's it's separating the fact. What is it? Well, and, and again, I think the other step back is to recognise that quite often it is some simply somebody else's opinion, and it may be different to yours because they've had a different experience or they've got a different world viewpoint, and it's not a fact. It is simply a difference of opinion, and you can acknowledge that, you can accept that, you might choose not to do anything with that, but you now know that a different opinion exists out there that you can take into consideration next time you do the thing. You know, I think (laughs) different people have different opinions, and there's not always a right or wrong or a fact, or, you know, I think sometimes people 
think that if somebody else has a different opinion, well, am I wrong? It's like, is there a right and a wrong? Or is this just a different perspective that you are now aware of that you might not have been aware of before? So a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Different perspective, a different way of looking at something. And that can be really, really can't it? Because sometimes you might not have thought a certain way about or approach something in a certain way that someone else has looked at and seen in a different way and is just saying, well, think of it this way, you know. Yeah. I, again, if you put this in the context of your world, so when I deliver programmes, I always say to people at the beginning of the programme, you know, I've done my very best to make this as inclusive as, as possible. And I have tried to think of everything but there is a strong possibility I might have missed something. So as you're on, when you're on the programme, if there's something that I can do differently that helps you to get more from the programme, please let me know because I want you to get the most from this programme in the time that you're on it. Now, I've tried to put it through all of the different filters, different perspectives, that, you know, if I've got somebody different. And over the years, I've had lots of different people on the programme who've offered some feedback to say, actually, if you did this, that would be really helpful. I'm like, great, I can do that. But I can't think, I can't put myself in everybody's shoes um, to know what everybody needs. But what I can do is ask and, and invite that feedback. And I think to go back to the original question, you know, I think sometimes it's good to preempt the knock and invite the knock, which almost sounds counterintuitive, but I think sometimes it can be really helpful to invite the feedback, to be on, you know, be more proactive about it and say, right, tell me, what can I do better? What, what could I do differently? What what could I do more of? What, what am I not doing that I could do that would make this even better? But it's that growth mindset, isn't it, of feedback isn't a criticism, feedback is uh, that opportunity to be better. And I think the same with a knock, you know, it is it, is it a criticism? Is it a negative? Or is it the opportunity to explore things in a different way and improve? Absolutely. So the resilience as well, isn't it? It's growth mindset, it's resilience, it's it's all of those things. But I think also if the inner confidence is there, it's a, I mean, it's a good test of your full inner confidence, isn't it? Or whether or not you've been portraying confidence <laughs> and not yet quite fully embedded that confidence in it yeah because i think you're right not not you know you can't be expected we can't any of us none of us can be expected to know everything about every uh that people challenges that people have around accessibility about inclusiveness unless we are you know experts in that field and we have a wide knowledge through our our, through our skill set of all those different uh, uh, needs, support needs, or like I say, people trying to access resources and, and, and platforms like this, we can't be expected to be an expert on everything. Um, and generally people aren't. And the only way we can find out these things is exactly as you've said, ask, ask the question, you know, uh, especially to know your audience to say, what could I do better here? What do you need from me? Do you need uh, for example, there may be people that say, you know, we would have liked had subtitles while you're speaking. Um, you know, this is StreamYard. I, I don't use StreamYard. I'm not that familiar with it. I have used it, but not myself as a host. Um, however, like, like all platforms, 
um, they all have their sort of idiosyncrasies and some things yeah. are more easy to slot things in like that and than others. Um, you know, sometimes it's about just, oh, you know, I'm not sure how, how do you go about that? Which case, yeah. sometimes it's a case of, you know, doing a bit of research and sometimes it's really easy, easy to find out you know different sort of approaches different things you can add on to, to make to make it more accessible um i've been to loads of meetings on zoom teams etc and and people you know want question but leave it to the last minute and perhaps or forget or, or you know technology as it is as we know doesn't always uh you know work and so you know it lets us down at the last minute and then things don't work at the time and that's you know just unfortunate you know at least we've we've tried to put things in place and like i say it's a learning curve for all of us for, for all of these different things yeah and i you know i think it's, it's asking the question isn't it and to be truly inclusive you need to ask the questions of the individuals that are in the room to for what their individual needs are because whilst you you can work on as you know the dynamics of a group or the needs of a group until you ask the individual you'll you'll never truly know what what that individual needs so yeah and it's it's all it's a journey for all of us isn't it because technology is improving and certainly now when i do the workshops that on i i use zoom so the captions are always enabled so if people want to switch them on they can do and that's not necessarily from a hearing perspective that has been from a language perspective because for yes. some of the attendees it's yeah. easier for them to see the written language whilst they hear it but then i'll upload it to um youtube afterwards because then that has the captions and then they can play it at a slower speed so if whilst i might try and speak a little bit slower i also need to be aware that there are other people in the group so it's being able to provide something that then helps you know the others individuals and the individual needs but that's a great question. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, and, I, and people ask me that, well, you know, how do, how do we find out these things? Well, you know, sometimes, it, like you say, it just boils down to that real basic of you know, what do you need? What do you need? And yeah. asking that person. And then they'll, they'll be like, great, they've actually asked me. They've included me by asking me because I'm the person that I know what I need kind of thing. And they've yeah. taken the time to ask me. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm sure you've talked about this till you're absolutely, um, you know, blue in the face. But I had to bring up this whole thing about the term imposter syndrome. Mm. Now, I was at a workshop just recently, uh, a business workshop, where uh, there was a coach facilitator speaker there who was talking about this very subject. And I found it interesting that this person was saying, oh, I don't really like the term but we need to remember what that term means. So I wanted to ask you a two-part question. So what do you think that means to everybody, that term? And also, what can we do today to, to change that, to, to stop that whole imposter syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> and what oh, else can we call that? It's very well timed because it's the topic in the group this week so in confidence and imposter syndrome so it's a great it's a great topic i okay so this personal opinion i think a lot of people don't understand the true definition of imposter syndrome i think it's one of those words which is overused 
Uh, I think it's uh, one of those labels that people have caught on to and it's used quite often out of context. A bit like narcissist and gaslighting when you ask people, okay, what do you mean by that? That when it comes down to how they define it, it's very different to the original definition. So I think a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome when certainly from a coaching perspective, when I ask questions to explore what that means for them, it's quite not imposter syndrome. It is stepping outside of their comfort zone and being in a situation that is new to them, but unfamiliar, and they are questioning their ability in scenario, not necessarily questioning their ability in its entirety. So from, from my perspective, having looked at the definition, I, I would love to be able to say it word for word, and I can't. But what it, <laughs> the research around imposter syndrome is it's, uh, it's a consistent feeling and it's a, a psychological response and it's, a con it's consistent um, but there's a genuine fear of being found out that you are in a position that you are not qualified to be in, you're not deserving to be in, you've got there through error, you've got there through something going wrong somewhere else. And there's a genuine fear of being found out to the point where it impacts all day, every day. So a lot of people use that label of imposter syndrome where actually what we're what they're talking about is putting themselves in a position. So quite often people talk about it when they're new in, in a new role. And there is an element of it because they do something, you know, you sometimes <laughs> say like, oh, I'm not sure I should have been given this job. I'm not sure I'm ready for this step up. Um, and But that's more around the fact that they've stepped out of their comfort zone. They're doing something that's new. They are challenging themselves. But there is, and when you ask them certain questions, they do talk about, you know, well, I, you know, I know I've got the experience and I know it's just going to take me a little bit of time to get used to it. So that tells me that it's not imposter syndrome, because otherwise it would, the conversation would be more along the lines of, actually, I think somebody's made a mistake and I don't think my experience is transferable there's the conversation would be very different so I think sometimes it's about challenging the use of language I think is really powerful and whether it's labeling of certain terms or even using quite strong language like people will say oh I was traumatized by that hey tell me a little bit more about that and, it, and when you get into the conversation they weren't traumatized they were slightly put out of place because something that happened. But when we use that language, we have a very real physiological response. And we have a very, we're talking and we are creating a belief. So if we keep talking about being an imposter, if we keep talking about not being confident, if we keep talking about being traumatized or being anxious or being nervous or being you know creating a belief that will have an impact on how we think and how we feel and how we behave so it's really important to challenge the things that we say to ourselves as well as the things that we say out loud to our people. So if we keep talking about being an imposter 
that you're going to start to create a belief in there somewhere that you don't deserve to be where you are or in the place where you are supposed to be and for most of us we're exactly where we need to be we're exactly where we're supposed to be and sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable but that discomfort is about growth we're stepping outside of what we know <coughs> and it does feel uncomfortable but it doesn't mean that we don't deserve to be there it doesn't mean that we haven't earned our place to be there and try something new and everybody feels that in a new role or you know, starting out in business, having done a new qualification and now testing it out. Everybody feels that little bit of, oh, is this too much too soon? It's all very, very normal. It's that fear zone that sits outside the comfort zone. Very, very normal. Not necessarily imposter syndrome. And I think that's the challenge of when you use it, do you know what it is by definition? Is is it what it is by definition? Or are you feeling uncomfortable because you've stepped outside of your comfort zone? I mean, I think that my personal opinion of imposter syndrome, and, and I'm really interesting to, to hear what you've just said about what you what what you believe or what you think is 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 the meaning of it. Because to me, when we you asked me to think about self belief and, and and beliefs of ourselves, as it were, um, it to me. It is interconnected personally because it's about self-doubt versus um and i've forgotten the other the stream now what i was going to say which is very annoying but it's not it's, it's imposter syndrome to me personally is about where you've got self-doubt in your own skill set and and you know the self-belief part there's two little pockets going on where you've got the pocket of the self-doubt and that is the self-belief and never the twain should meet. Do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? So you've got this kind of battle sometimes. And, and this has happened personally with myself in my own area of expertise. And, and I've had over the years um, and, you know, and some of my deaf friends will say to me, oh, um, you're not on that one again, because, you know, I do talk about it. And try to but to me, I talk about it because it's, an important part of what I do. It's mm. about I'm deaf. I'm hearing. I'm not deaf. Yet I know what I do through passion and through being an advocate and an ally for the people in the deaf community and sign language users. And just because I'm hearing, it doesn't mean that my heart isn't in the right place and my skill set isn't um, where it should be to do what I do. But there's such a cultural backdrop, all of that. And it all goes back to the oppression of deaf people by hearing people, deaf education and, and what's happened over the years. And I understand all of that and that backdrop because I you know, studied deaf studies and I did lots and lots of uh, research in my dissertation and mixing the deaf community. However, you know, through my professional career and being sort of with my business, there's times when I've sat there and I've, I've experienced, I think, my own imposter syndrome by going by saying to myself or doubting myself inside but yet knowing that I need to believe and have that self-belief because I am good at what I do I believe I'm good at what I do and I'm passionate about what I do so therefore I can power and engage other people in that passion 
So, mm. you know, it's kind of like a way of scales. You know, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes they balance. And I think as you're describing it, to me, the words that popped up in my mind is awareness and like consciousness and awareness. And I think that's really healthy. It's healthy to have that awareness of where you're at and different people's perceptions and how, how you, again, we're talking about different opinions and thoughts and perspectives. And that's, I think it's good to have that level of awareness and it's good to have that, you know, being conscious of how you're showing up. But I think the challenge, the question is, is do, do you believe you are where you are because you've put in the work, you've done, you said yourself, you answered the question because you said yourself, you, you've studied it, you've got the experience, you've done the studies, you've got the experience and all of that combined takes away that you are an imposter. Now you might feel, but that is that fact or is that feeling? Is that the awareness that other people might perceive that differently? And is it a conscious you being conscious that other people might have a different perspective? And so you have that awareness, which then is healthy because that makes you better at what you do because you have an awareness that people might see things differently. And I think we all know and have worked with somebody at some point who could probably have done with a little bit more awareness and conscious of how things are perceived and how people come across and how things are received as opposed to maybe what's intended. That level of self-awareness, it's emotional intelligence, isn't it? It's emotional intelligence, it's that awareness, and, and it, but it's the difference for me as you're, you, as you were describing it, you're talking about you've done the, tra you did deaf training, you know, you've done the training, you've studied it, you've got the experience, you listen to what other people tell you, that then, it, you're not there by luck, you're not there by chance, you're not there by mistake, you're there because you've put the work in and you've earned where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that, I think that's a good I think that's a good thing, personally. But again, that is simply just my opinion. <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be people who watch and listen to this who will go, whoa, no, I don't agree with that. And that's okay, because it's not fact. I'm, it's, I'm not stating a fact. I'm just giving my opinion that I think a healthy dose of awareness, emotional intelligence, being conscious of the things that we do and how we show up is is a good thing to have right okay so we are on to the last one zoe okay, okay so this is a really yeah so i guess some people are going to say well you know let's have some top tips here so i thought well let's finish off with some top tips okay. so i've said what are your top three tips for a healthy and positive self-belief mindset Ooh, top tips for healthy self-belief and mindset. Okay, so I think, and this links into what we've just been talking about, I think a healthy self-belief mindset is when it's in balance because you don't want too much and you also don't want too little. So it's finding the balance. Um, so yeah, I think this picks up on what we were just talking about. It's a healthy balance. 
what that balance looks like is very individual. So it's finding that balance that works for you. Where are you at that sweet spot where it's not too little and it's also not too much? And I think this is where linking back into that first question, being your own critical thinker, looking for what success looks like, looking for that validation for you for what success looks like is really important, but also seeking that validation, that feedback, opportunities to improve externally is also really important. So it's like, I think the it's keeping it in balance. What does a good balance look like? And how do you keep that balance in check? So how, how do you make sure that that balance is in check, that it's not creeping too far the other way that you then lose sight and you know you don't have that awareness that you lose the awareness or you lose that conscious thinking of what you're doing and how you're doing it um yeah don't know that that's the top tip but i think that's that for me is what i would say is is that central balance looks like for you and then ask yourself how can you check in to make sure that that is in balance I feel like there's something else. There's something else in my head. <laughs> that was unfair, wasn't it? Top three tips. That's kind of really narrowing it down. Well, maybe maybe just the top two. I don't know. <laughs> but it's helpful, isn't it? I think it's helpful to have uh, that takeaway. Self-belief is a really interesting one. And I think certainly the conversation that I have through my line of work is that our beliefs will have a, an impact on what we think, what we feel, how we respond to things. And I think a lot of people do the work around trying to respond differently, trying to feel differently, but don't identify what the belief is that sits in behind that, that is driving the thoughts, the feelings and the behavior. So I think that's the top, that's a top tip is if you're trying to change something, think about what that belief is. So I guess the first one is, is what does a healthy balance look like for you and how do you keep it in check? Number two is, uh, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> out of my head. So and I think the other, there's a third, it's because there's a third one trying to come out. Come out, it's, it's there. Buoyant, doesn't it? There's a third one trying to come through. One at a time, please. <laughs> the, the, the other thing is it can be really helpful to be very aware of the language that you're using. So let's go back to that, that last question as well. What, what's coming through in your beliefs that is limiting you and holding you back? So when you say things like, oh, I'm too old to do that, or I don't have I, enough experience to do that. Well, I can't do that. Yes. I don't negative. have time for that. Or, you know, think about the language that you use. Pay attention to the things that you say to yourself, the things that you say to other people, and think about what is the belief that is feeding that, because that's where you go back to the focus. So I think that was a very scrappy top three tips, and I will go back and re-listen to it and find <laughs> out what it was that I was trying to do in a succinct way. But I, I think there's three in there. Find the balance of what works for you. Listen to the language that you use because that's quite often an indication. That that internal conversation that we have is quite often that's where we can identify. But just listen to what language you're using when you speak to other people as well. Um, and then that that other one as well. 
and your your internal <laughs> and that internal the inter our internal voice isn't it it's it's how we how we listen to our internal voice and how we again sit back and listen to ourselves listening to our voice if you like um and you know how that that voice can mm. really dictate like you say our our self our, our own belief structure yeah. system you know so if we start like you say to use the wrong language if we start to think in a certain negative way it's like a like a, a whirlpool a whirlpool effect isn't it it just goes down and down and down until we're at the bottom of the whirlpool stuck this is real like uh, what's the word um, metaphorical now um you're at the bottom of the whirlpool and you you can't get up you can't swim to the surface you're drowning because everything then weighs heavily every single thing new layer of you know, losing that self-esteem, losing that self-belief, losing that, that that confidence, losing that that whole structure of, you know, what we are about and what is important to us and, and how we present ourselves and all those things. But actually, if we start with the top of the surface of the water and try and think differently and try and listen to our voice in a calm way and listen to and think about the language we use, how we deal with other people's opinions thoughts criticism uh support or advice then it all can become manageable and we stay at the surface we stay above water yeah hey that's <laughs> great it's a great great metaphor and i think it's really important that the the so you know talking about imposter syndrome there are going to be times where you will feel like an imposter so it's it that doesn't mean that every time you're uncomfortable, it's imposter syndrome. Do you see what I mean? It's like that yes. grabbing hold of that language and then using it repetitively or out of habit. You know, I think there's, we, I mean, we, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? We use quite a limited vocabulary in terms of how we describe things. We tend to use the same words of, to describe our emotions. I um, had a conversation with somebody this week about the emotions wheel and all of the other words that you can use that start from that minimal impact to a maximum impact but if you're using stronger language to to describe something that isn't that impactive that starts to have an impact the words that we use the language that we use is really important so it's just keeping that check and testing because if you're using heavy weighty language for something that's very minor your your body responds to that and your if you start to use the word you know traumatic for something that isn't traumatic isn't um, yeah your your body's going to, to respond to that so it's really important to to think about how you are programming your own beliefs because yes absolutely a lot of our beliefs are shaped externally by our experiences by other people things that are said things that that we feel but also most of it we do ourselves so and we can change it we that's completely in our control to challenge the belief that we hold decide whether or not that belief is still helpful for us and if it isn't what do we want to believe instead and start to work on that if we want to believe something different what does that look like and how do we start to see signs that that new belief is true and the old belief is no longer true to us 
And sometimes just having a conversation with our loved ones, with the people that know us best, that we know aren't going to judge, that we know aren't going to be harshly critical, that aren't going to tell us things that might make us start on that journey of not not having self-belief, but, you know, having an honest, open conversation with someone we trust and talking it out helps as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I mean, to me also, I talk to friends, family and business owners, colleagues that, that all say, uh, often will say things like, well, actually, if I'm starting to think, well, I can't do this using that kind of negative language or, or what if this happens? What if I do that and this happens and that's not good? That it's about checking yourself suddenly mm-hmm. and going, okay, well, no, let's stop. Let's stop going down that road and let's start thinking, I can, I can, I will be able to. And if that happens, then it will be okay. And yeah. I will do this and I will get through it. And all those positive you know, we call them affirmations, you know, they don't have to be called that, they don't have to be labelled as that, just things that we, that quiet voice that sticks inside that says, actually, it's okay. Absolutely. And it's much easier for other people to spot that language than it is for us to spot our own language, because quite often we're not paying attention to the things that we say in quite the same way that other people pay attention to it so if you've got people that you live with or people that you spend lots of time with and you can say actually can you listen out for when I say this and give me a nudge that can be really helpful but it's what happens to us as children isn't it when we're children when we're growing up when we say things like I can't or you know I don't like it or I don't want to we have people around us for you know for a lot of us are fortunate enough to have people around us that will challenge that and say well just try it and just you don't know until you try it and just give it a go and you get that encouragement and you get that challenge when we get to adults that doesn't happen because when it gets to adults and people go well you haven't tried it yet we get very defensive (laughs) rather than seeing it as encouragement we get more defensive over it so we have to challenge it ourselves or we have to actively give people permission to help us to challenge it. But we're holding ourselves accountable to make that change. But sometimes it is helpful to have other people to do it. I know that's the great thing about coaching conversations is it is that safe space to offer that challenge and say, oh, you said always. Does that always happen? Or you said never. Are there, has there never been a time where that's happened? And just kind of offering that challenge in a safe space to to think about the language that people use and how that might be impacting those beliefs and how those beliefs might actually be holding them back from doing the thing that's really important to them yeah and and also having a sense of humor because when you do try things and they all go horribly wrong you can just laugh and say well look we tried it yeah it didn't work this time but hey it's not the end of the world never again (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) oh great questions they were they were good they were good good questions i apologize i lost my train of thought in the last one um my top tips i will listen back to it and i will list out what those top tips were to make it easier for people i lost my train of thought halfway through because the the third one was just itching to come out at the same time. My brain was working <laughs> faster than my mouth. But they were great. Thank you ever so much. And thank, thank you. you for sharing your experiences in there as well. It was really, really interesting to hear. 
Thank you, Zoe. Nice to Thank be here. Well, we will put this up. It'll be on the usual podcast channels. It's here on YouTube. It's gone out live as well. But if you're watching back or listening back and you have questions, feel free to ask. I will keep my eye on the comments um, and answer any questions that come through but thank you very much for listening i hope there's something in there that's been useful to you um and we will be back with another episode next month with a new guest new topic and five questions but thank you very much em and thank you to those of you that are listening and watching and we'll be back again very soon